0: Hello and welcome to The Week at Work. I'm your host this week, David Gibney again, um, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, uh, Michelle Bourne and Connor McCabe. Um, the Week at Work is part of Left Block. Uh, you can find out more about us or give us a bit of support if you have a few quid to spare on patreon.com forward slash left block. Uh, as always, we get into the, the news of the week, but mostly what's covered in this weekend's newspapers and i think it would be well i, I was going to say you couldn't avoid it but i think one newspaper has avoided it but the um the story of the killing of ashling murphy um in tullamore over the week uh, during the week has caught the nation's attention it's covered huge coverage and um, in in most of the weekend's papers i'm gonna straight go straight into it into the sunday times uh which it's the main two stories on the front page of the Sunday times uh first of all on the left hand side by Justine McCarthy um who gives a, a very nice introduction into um the the memorials that have been taking place and the vigils across the country and given a, a little touch on some of that and then on the right hand side DNA of new Ashling murder suspect seized and this is a um, obviously on foot of the breaking news over the last 24 hours about a uh, a man who presented himself into a Dublin emergency hospital with injuries to his hand and face. Um, it says in this story here that he was taken there by a relative uh, and the doctors uh, alerted Gardaí that something was up. They thought that this guy was in a fight, a knife, a fight or a knife attack. And um, when he didn't, ha- well, he had vague answers to questions they had about how he sustained his injuries, and that seems to have been what alerted the Gardaí to come and investigate this particular person. Um, there's more information there, but I'll, I'll go to you guys. Um, I'll go to you, Michelle, first, just to find out what you've been reading in the Sunday Independent and what it's what way it's been covered there.
1: Yeah, so the Sunday Independent has. It, the two front stories as well is about um, the story with the kind of main headline being Zero Tolerance um, is, is what they're titling it. And it's talking about like how they're, they're closing in on a killer. The su- their suspect speaking with Garrardy very briefly and that there's going to be an in-depth um, interview um, and that they're actually after uh, investigators are digging at two locations. So the suspect has had their home and another property that they own um, have... Have they've had do- digging um at both those locations, and then there's a big focus on the minister and how minister of uh, justice uh Helen McEntee is has a big focus on this new strategy that's coming in the next couple of weeks, that's going to tackle domestic um sexual and gender based violence um off the back of obviously the death of the murder of Ashling Murphy um so that's where that zero tolerance line is coming from um and there there actually is a, an op-ed from the the minister for justice in the paper as well kind of like touching on the strategy and how they're going to focus on prevention protection prosecution and policy coordination all rhymes very nicely and all of that um we're talking about like how you know we need appropriate education from primary school healthy relationships gender equality and consent and talking about how you know that we need to to call out uh, inappropriate behavior not be bystanders whether that be in the workplace pub or whatsapp group and then the other story is is by brendan o'connor and he's kind of talking more about like the location of the the incident and like, you know, how specific spaces, you know, aren't safe, or, you know, that we thought were safe aren't safe. And he talks about how women are feeling, um, which kind of just irked me a little bit now, to be honest. Um, and how we've all felt different after this event. And like, Brendan, we've known this for a long time, that like existing as a woman isn't safe in any space. But thank you for mansplaining that how we feel now in this moment on the front page of the Sunday Independent Um, so yeah Brendan tells us all that all women are feeling different now after this Um, feeling different than the weight of this burden that we carry like you know over our gender around in in like this you know this system of patriarchy yes we feel that more uh, this week but something that we feel every day Um, but yeah he, he was talking about how you know, it's, it's about spaces. He talked about you know the effects of pornography, and then he he talked a bit about like the, the impact on the, the community, and um you know offering his, his sympathies um there as well. But like um and yeah, and that that whole idea of like um yeah, when I was reading his piece, I was kind of ta- thinking about like you know he he's he talking yeah he mentioned about you know I, I don't know if everyone saw this bit but like how it's really hitting home, like the location where Aisling's murder was, was actually named after another woman who went missing, Fiona. It's called Fiona's Way, after a woman who went missing there before. But yeah, I've seen other media um, report on this been like, oh, it's a lovely safe area, la 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 la. The area is literally named after another woman gone missing. And I think she was actually connected to Larry Murphy um was potentially a, one of the suspected murders um of Larry Murphy's a serial killer from years ago and like very aware of Larry Murphy because as a teenager he was one of my neighbors. Like I was taught that I couldn't leave the house by myself uh in the a rural area because Larry Murphy was murdering women down the road um from me. Like I lived in his area. His family um were in my school Do you know it, you know he painted my friends stairs like it's just like and it's this whole thing of like I feel like there's a lot of this narrative like obviously the first person they brought in for questioning was a Romanian man and obviously the far right absolutely whipped that up and you know really um focused on that piece of information but like it doesn't matter who the man is like it's literally or what what community he's from it's everywhere like you know Larry Murphy is was a is a serial killer who's now out and released and you know, he was a white man from a community that no one suspected a thing of. He's a good, you know, family man and all those, all those words that you want to call people. But because that particular Romanian man had a conviction and he was Romanian uh, he was demonized by the media. There was a horrific article in The Sunday World, actually, um, calling him a violent drunk and all of this before. And he was completely completely innocent man in this situation. And also another point was his sister who refused to leave the house when the guards came to it and she suffers with mental health difficulties, it's been reported is was still in custody. I think still is in custody now. It could be cracked on that. But the, the awfully express reported yesterday that she was to remain in custody until Wednesday for not leaving the house when the guards asked her. Um, and she wasn't released after the, the man uh, the, that Romania man uh, was. And he had, he had since come out publicly and like offered sympathies and everything. But, Jesus, I can't imagine the what what, what he's gonna be facing now um off
0: the back of that too. Yeah, she was taken to the Doka Center in Mount Joy, so they they, they made a lot of effort to 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 remand her in custody. Um obviously driving from driving her from Tullamore all the way to Dublin. Uh and I, I, I heard yesterday on, well, I saw on Twitter that she'd been released, but I don't know whether it was true. It was just people mm. saying that they believed she had been released at that stage. Yeah, but the questions have to be asked of the Gardaí and how people knew who'd been arrested, um, knew the background yeah. of the man who had been arrested, um, knew his um, his past, knew knew everything about him. Just as he had, within hours, been taken into custody, purely, it seems, from the articles that are written in today's Times, uh, because he looked similar to the previous guy. Um, and the guardy, it says, became very frustrated with him because they kept asking him what he had done that day, uh, he kept explaining that he was down on the canal uh earlier on but he couldn't name the exact time that he was there so this seemed to rile up a lot of the guard um who were getting really frustrated that he wasn't giving them exact specifics but sure if somebody was to ask me what time I was down you know somewhere it sometimes it's hard to nail that stuff down you know eight mm. or seven or eight hours later but yeah it's um and we're seeing it again with the new arrest like and not like, we're already hearing lots of information on the front page of today's um, Sunday Times. There's, Ooh. there's, I did, you know, there's article. The article there names his his nationality again, and you're just like, can they not just do their job first? Um, it, it, you know, because within the media becomes, you know, what what does the media have the right to know uh, in something like this? But it's it's a bit frustrating to see the way that side of it has, has worked with the Gardaí. And of course we know the background to the Gardaí on some of this stuff. And it's, that's been dredged up, you know, around the shell to see arrests from, um, 20 years ago now, nearly 20 years ago, I think maybe 15, but, uh, look, it's, it's Mm. frustrating to see some of this stuff, but again, getting back to the actual murder and even, even what you've just mentioned there, Michelle, about Brendan, whatever his name has been on the front page, you think this week they would have just given that to somebody else instead of having him writing about it?
1: You know, I I wouldn't mind uh, if it was a man doing the analysis on this, but if he was actually given some decent analysis instead of, oh, I'm speaking on behalf of women who now are saying they feel different. If it was actually, you know men speaking to men about solutions or whatever it was mm. but like that just wasn't it like what that that like did not need mansplaining on this like i'm very much aware and so is every woman uh very much aware of how difficult it is to exist as a woman in like this kind of society without fucking brandon o'connor telling us on the front page of the sunday independent like but like what you were saying there around you know the media and how like now they're using this to like whip up like xenophobia and racism like off the back of this but like Outside of that, the media have a huge role to play in all of, like, a lot of this gender-based violence as well, like, and how women, like, especially celebrities and stuff who, like, you know, just because they're famous or they're far away doesn't mean that, you know, women aren't reading, we're consuming that kind of information where, you know, celebrities or, you know, uh, women across Ireland or whatever are viewed as objects, we're slut-shamed, we're, you know, victim- blamed, you know, and at the same time we'll turn to the sports pages where abusive men are celebrated or cheered on matches and stuff like that. So, like, the, the media do have a huge part to play in this and every level on how this this particular instance is reported, but also, you know, in the systematic problems of you know gender-based violence media have a huge part in that and as well as what you're saying around the guards and how they're leaking information they shouldn't be information i've heard loads of people saying oh we know you know we need harsher sentences and this is a solution like harsher sentences is not a preventative measure you know it it puts more power into the hands of a system that has leaked all of this information about the the romanian man's details it's it's putting you know putting more power into the hands of um, uh, an institution that's cancelled all those domestic violence calls. You know, it's it's a system where loads of these guards have barring orders against them because of their own misdemeanors. You know, it's it's yeah, it's yeah, it's the same system that that had that that man's sister still in prison, and you know, learning no lessons about the policing of you know people with mental health or even like yeah, how that even happened in the first place. It you know is beyond me, but yeah, there's 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 a lot of problems around what, what's what been called for here and how obviously the media reporting on it and how we're expecting the guards to be some sort of and the justice system to be some sort of solution to this because it's not really
0: yeah well I'm to be honest I, I was saying to Connor before we came on I was a bit, a bit nervous about doing this show because I think for me anyway I feel that this is a time for men to listen and not to be um dominating the discussions around this stuff and watching Twitter and watching people you know I, as you said right for, for a man to, to, to be involved in this debate it's it, there's two parts of it there's listening to 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 what women are saying and then there's that interaction with other men and correcting them and telling them what's wrong and all the rest of it but it's uh it seems to be lost in an awful lot of people mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it really does looking at people who i would know on twitter saying not all men and that whole shit um it's it's just extremely frustrating no oh, because you've never assaulted somebody's it, it it that people need to tone down their language. women need to tone down their language around this to fuck off like um but it's it it, it I don't know, Connor. I know you've read this on the Sunday Independent and the Business Post. And I know, and I'll say it straight off now before we, we move on any further. The business post didn't have one word about this um at all, not a single word that I could see in the main paper or the supplements. So maybe I'm wrong. You read it as well. So uh Connor, what 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 have you been observing on this one?
2: Yeah, um, just just to maybe kind of uh like follow on in one kind of small way. kind of michelle's point and I'm, i'm much more interested in hearing kind of like more of what kind of michelle has to say um but like um like there was um there was a tweet i think from a from a person called megan on online and and her line was um any solution that is based on what women need to do is not a solution this is the wrong fucking kind of conversation um, so what men need to be talking about is not virtue signaling, which is what kind of um, uh, what's that idiot's name, uh, Abraham O'Connor, it, it, you know, was doing, making this about his feelings, you know, and you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it, it, it's, it's virtual signaling by men. It's like kind of Colin Murphy, who's in, who has an opinion piece in the Sunken Independent and it starts off with him it's all about him i run i run when i'm stressed these are the first two lines of his of his article on this murder and on and on the issues that are going on here It's going like there is a problem in male culture in ireland here and it's on men to <laughs> to talk about this call it out and actually kind of you know kind of tackle kind of these uh, you know kind of these details he says In it, like in the and this is where they get into the virtue signaling by men on this issue, which really gets on my nerves. But like, you know, he says, for 30 years, I ran the record, realizing that this was all a manifestation of privilege. I only started thinking about this, you know, last year, uh, but provoked by two things. It's going, you're only coming on to this now. You know what I mean? Like, like this gets into the virtues, again. Just, I, I just using that phrase, where the voices from men that I've been reading kind of today, where they are there. It's all about men trying to say, "Oh, we're sensitive to this, and we understand," and blah blah blah. You know, and you know, as if they're kind of new men type thing. The problem is, is kind of male culture. There's a, there's a very strong violence in in the language that men use in the way that they act, in the way that they will in any kind of debate, they will shout and like raise their voice and get and actually kind of stand up with with each other. Like not only with women, but with each other. This is toxic. This is a fucking problem here. You know? um Like in these kind of solutions, and again, like, you know, there are like as with everyone, like we're all acutely kind of aware that there's a family kind of you know there's a family grieving here you know um so if you could maybe just my own kind of sense is it's to maybe kind of move into the policy issues that have been raised by this so there are policy issues that have been raised kind of by this and there's and there's those kind of feelings that have been kind of caught kind of by this kind of story Colin Murphy and I and I and, and, and use him because he brings in kind of so many strands of all that is wrong with the way that men are talking about this and the way that the establishment is like talking about this. He goes on about, you know, about he, he's talking about, you know, how, 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 how there's been kind of more lighting in the famous Park. You know, it gets into this, like, again, trying to make out that the problem is not. Is, is 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 in lights it's in kind of where women are like running it's in kind of these things that's not the issue lads you know what i mean these things have to happen but that's not that's not what is causing these things it's a bit like and again like i mean i, I mean you know, like you know how far do you go into this but the vile utterly vile kind of comments by by uh, is it that no uh, uh, by Hilly Ray, mm-hmm. during the week, just trying just for clicks, talking about kind of you know we need to legalize mace. Now the implication there was that if Ashton Morphy had mace, she wouldn't be she would still be alive. That's how vile and disgusting what Mughal Hilly Ray was saying. Uh, you know it's the it's the same argument as. You know, if they had guns, if they legalized guns, you know, they, you know, this argument, it like it, it in the U.S. and he did that purely for the cliques, purely to get into national, international, international kind of conversation, at it, 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 it So, what I would like to see, and what's missing from this, is these men using their uh, their position as journalists in 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 newspapers that are that have hundreds of thousands of readers not to be talking to women saying, I've got feelings and I'm sensitive and, and, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a new man, but actually saying wherever we've got a, lads we've got a problem here and we need to start kind of facing up to this. Like it's not right to have this kind of, it's not right to be, to be cheering on uh, footballers who are rapists. It's not right to be kind of making kind of excuses for this. It's not right to be to be to be making kind of excuses for kind of behaviour, and that's only just the start of it. Like I mean, like there's a personal aspect of this, but it's also a policy aspect as well. We went through all the budgets of the left parties last year. Apart from the SOC Dems, none of the parties really kind of grappled with the need for a domestic violence and kind of refuge kind of spaces in Ireland, which at the moment is running at 30% of where it needs to be just for Ireland to be at, its, at, its, at the minimum standard that it's kind of signed up to. Sinn Féin was as bad as the, as the government. It was a terrible thing, just like throwing just a few million at it. Uh, people come before profit, didn't even have a policy. It, it was just like, here's a figure in which they kind of dreamt up forever. They've given it no thought. And yet now, now we have all the parties, they're talking about how we need to have kind of strategies and, and kind of do these things. The Irish government has spent the last three years trying to change the, the, the kind of criteria for calculating how many spaces are needed for victims of kind of of like domestic kind of violence, there are no spaces in Offaly. There are none in nine counties, including most of the Midlands. Mm. And, and yet you have Fianna Gael kind of ministers, you can walk in saying, "We need to have a zero is zero tolerance." It would have costed around hundred and forty million to tackle all of that and what it, And what did kind of Phoen it do like in the uh, like in the last budget, give five hundred million in tax cuts? Mm. If they had kind of delayed those tax cuts by four months, just by four months, they could have paid for all those new spaces, including in Offaly where this uh, you know where this kind of crime happened. Mm. So there are massive problems here mm. in terms of this. Why isn't it? Colin Murphy and, and Ben O'Connor would be much better talking about stuff that he have, you know, some kind of input on, which is about kind of where I'm in and all of this uh, on a personal level, but also about policy. Mm-hmm. We need to actually kind, of, actually kind of, you know, like it, it we can tackle this. And um, that's where I think uh, we have something to contribute. Not talking about like i mean what like like it's it's amazing how can kind of Colin morphy sat down and actually thought if i explain how i never fucking copped on how this was an issue that would make me look like i'm a sensitive new man no yeah. it doesn't it makes you look like someone who didn't fucking realize that yeah. this was an issue so shut the fuck up and start yeah. kind of doing kind of policy sorry been yeah. Ranting yeah. On.
0: Yeah. michelle do you want it in
1: yeah, well, I just think it's it's interesting, like, when you're talking about the policy side of things as well, like, and, you know, we have um, a female Minister for Justice at the moment immediately coming out saying we're going to do this strategy. Um, but, like, she's a Fine Gael, right? Like, just because she's a woman, it doesn't mean she has all the answers to this. Like, we need to, we can't identity politics ourselves out of this one now. Like, neoliberal women do not have the solutions on how to f- fix the structural problems of the patriarchy like we had Fina Gaylor, Josefa Madigan calling uh, coming out saying oh we just need to launch an app and somehow that's going to save us like and obviously you've mentioned um the Healy Rays already but like like coming out saying like let's legalize pepper spray or whatever but like he's an anti-choicer he doesn't think women deserve health care like that's says that's that's violence against women as far as I'm con- concerned you know what I mean mm-hmm. like we kind of need to move away from this like hyper individualistic kind of personal responsibility like narrative and actually have some proper anti-capitalist feminist response on how we can structurally dismantle the patriarchy because like th- there's also another part in this as well it's like you know there's been a huge huge rippling um outcry over Ashing Murphy's death and absolutely of course everyone is grieving for this poor young woman but we also have to reflect on like why didn't this happen last year with, you know, your own Setzeg, uh, Setzeg, um as well, when she was murdered by a 14-year-old boy? Like, how did that not, like, immediate response to, let's talk about the policy responses to, why that woman walking home from work got stabbed in the neck by a 14-year-old boy? Like, did we, did we change any policy responses then? And I, I, we need to do it. But under a neoliberal government, And I actually think it's really striking that Sunday Business Post didn't didn't write about this because of why would they? You know, it's not in any way for their benefit to talk about the actual real solutions to this because there are anti-capitalist, socialist, feminist responses that are needed. Why would the Sunday Business Post report on that? Absolutely not. This, you know, capitalism that that, that they represent um, embeds this inequality. So they're not going to address that in their papers. But mm. I do think that we can't just say all women have the solutions to this because Joseph Malikin does not have the solutions to this. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Fine Gael does not have the response to this. We had two Fine Gael councillors here in Waterford organize vigils. And one of the men who spoke at one of the vigils was talking about the poor ladies need our protection. Like that is not the response that we need, you know, that like that is not the correct response. We need a socialist feminist response anti-capitalist response to this, about how we actually structurally dismantle this. And that's where, you know, we talk about, you know, can men comment on this on the front pages? Yes, they can. If they come from that perspective. Not Brendan O'Connor mansplaining to me. Do you know what I mean? Like We do want men talking about this. And we want men talking to each other about this because I'm sick of it. I was dreading coming on, talking about this today. I'm sick of talking about it. I'm I'm sick of, like, experiencing it, existing in it. Like, you know, yes, absolutely, men should be speaking about it. But from that perspective, mm. I, I don't want to hear any Fingal, any Fingalers, whatever their gender, talking about this. Like to be honest, they don't have the solutions. Mm. They have created the conditions for this to happen in a policy perspective. Like as you say, underfunding, policies not been there, the, the institution, the, the, the care institutions that we need to protect people, it, it's not there. Mm. You know we can't turn and rely on the guards or the media to, or the whatever, Fianna Gael to, to solve this. Like, Yeah. Sorry. Now I'm, I'm a bit all over the place with this. Like it's been, I
0: think, I think we all black. are. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's so heartbreaking. The whole, the whole thing. And, um, I, it, even just going back to Connor before you come in, Connor, like there's an article there in in, in the Sunday Times that um, gives reference to Women's Aid and, and research that they've done and, and talks about the there's 244 women who have died violently in Ireland since 1996, 153 of them in their own homes. Uh, 212, which is 87%, knew their attacker. So going back to the whole domestic violence, refuges, and uh, and all the rest of it, like there is, there is a policy element to this that's a subheading, to for want of a better phrase here. It, it, it's a paragraph in a a small article compared to the rest of, of of what's been going on, right? But even in that, that article is written by a man called Colin Coyle, who I don't know, right? But there's a picture of um, Justine Valdez right beside, it, in the centre of this article. And it, like this is how much, whether it's, the, it, it, I'm sure it's by accident, so I'm not meaning to have a go at, at the journalist or the, the person who write, wrote this. But underneath the picture, it says, the murder of student Justine Valdez in Enniskerry in 2018 was the most recent case of a woman being killed in a public place by someone unknown to her. And right underneath that has a picture of Oren Setzig, um, who was killed last year by a, a 15, 14 or 15 year old. Uh, it says here, 15 year old boy who was 14 at the time of the attack. It, you know, They're not even paying attention to the story that they're covering themselves. They don't even understand that that this thing is happening a lot more frequently than once every three years. And again, I'm not having to go with him cause I'm sure he didn't write the the, the subheading or, or the the caption to this. But, um, but there is that whole thing, you know, when you see all these photographs that are underneath that a year of cases featuring violence against women and there's two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 13 people in the last 12 months that they've got photographs of underneath that. And you're just going, this is massive. Like, yes, there's a huge outpouring now, and rightly so, but there should be an outpouring for all of this stuff. Uh, Connor. you wanted in on that again.
2: Yeah, I mean, just, just kind of briefly, or just, to, just to kind of, uh, again, kind of follow on Fronkin Michelle's uh, point, but like, um, you know, and also kind of just the stories that are kind of racist that, you know, it, 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 you know, it's something that we had been talking about just as a group, you know, like just ourselves, and, you know, it, it just kind of WhatsApp, to the show but, you know it's it, and like if I got this right you know it's, it's that idea that is that is going to put forward of you know it's, it's the monster that uh, that does this you know so so they'll focus in on the stories of the monsters mm. that are doing this and this is a monstrous crime um but it's not it's it's not it's not it's it was just the monsters this wouldn't be an issue it's it's the neighbors mm. it's the uncles it's the brothers it's the husbands that's where the problem is. Like Colin Murphy, again, trying to come across as a new man. And I'm going to pick on him, sorry. Um, um, but like that case went over his head. Like the case of, as I was mentioned there, that didn't shock him into realizing that, that jogging on your own, it was a problem for, you know, you know, you know like for women. That like, like the point that I was going to come in on is that going back to the policy element of it and the cultural kind of element, like, I mean, I was, I mean, I was, I was, I, I was debating, like, you know, will they even bring this up? But, like, there's a serious fucking problem in the Irish left in terms of, like, patriarchy and, like, sexism, which we never talk about, mm. you know? A serious problem that is there, even down to the fact that from a policy kind of, you know, perspective, that parties will pull out. <laughs> you know, in their alternative budgets shown that we have given this maybe 30 seconds thought, uh, thought for this issue. And apart from the ASOC Dems, everyone else was, we'll throw money at the problem. We actually won't change policy. We'll, it would just like say that we'll put more money into it because then that makes us kind of look good. And that was, and that was people before profit. That was Sinn Féin. That was to a small degree. That was Labour um who uh who, who who put no money on a on the capitalist side and then and then there was the stock Dems who actually you know had a policy there they kind of you know they you know they on it as well, but also i mean like you must have come across this dave i mean like like it it, it it can't just be me mm. but you'll see a lad right in in kind of left wing kind of circles. And he's given the whole kind of spiel, but it, 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 but the whole kind of woke um, new man. Who's the singer who, like, everyone loves? He's really kind of, like, right on. He's the Irish guy. He's at everything. He, he does all the... I don't know kind of which well, one that, he is now, because, like, I, I'm just kind of too old. Dermot.
0: There's one good Dermot something. It's Dermot. No,
2: it's... it's anyway, but, anyway, and, 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 anyway but like, and you can just... Like, you're looking at him speak, and you just know that he's bullshit. Like, you just know as a bloke exactly what he's doing. He's given all this because he's, he, 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 he's trying to impress kind of women. And he can spot it a fucking mile off. And we don't call it out. Like, you can see that we know the blokes. who just give this kind of line and it's all, the it, they're ticking all the boxes. But you know, as a bloke, you know exactly what he's at. You know what I mean? Like, and there are so many of them in the irish left who are just these fucking chancellors and yeah. that's exactly what they're doing and they'll go on about all the rights forever and uh, it's all just spiel it's all just trying to impress uh, like women and you can spot them like i mean like 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 i'm still very very nervous or or, or like not nervous but like i'm very wary of even calling myself kind of a feminist or just kind of look at those things even though i've written books that come from an economic kind of feminist, uh, you know, perspective, because the blogs I see in the Irish left, who call themselves kind of feminist, <laughs> mm. chancers, absolute fucking chances, And yet, where do we call her out? Mm. I mean, it's the first time I've even kind of talked about this. and, and Like in terms of, you know, an actual kind of show, like mm. it's a and real that... fucking problem. And you see it wherever. And like, and you see it like in terms of some kind of high, high, high profile kind of lefties in, a male kind of lefties in, it, but you know, who are just, and it's all just. There's an yeah. issue there, and yeah. these are the things that you know. If if someone asks me, hey, what can blokes do? I I like in terms of the Irish left, I'd say that is one part of it. Start like calling out this its kind of posturing, mm-hmm. and that's all there is. And and actually and actually say no. Like going back, it took on Michelle's point that. That, like, what is like again, just come just back to some business posts, it's absolutely true. What is needed is that kind of anti patriarchal, anti capitalist solutions, and they're terrified of it because, I mean, that is what is needed. But that's also needed in the Irish left. Mm. And I think that the, 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 that is a problem here because they'll see things as being kind of anti capitalist in terms of the economic arguments or in terms of like social welfare. But will not like it seems to be they haven't really grasped that that the patriarchal kind of nature of like capitalism is not just an adjunct; it's in the very bones of it and has been for hundreds of years. That also needs to be kind of uh, tackled. So, for any kind of anti-capitalist solution, needs to be an anti-patriarchal one as well. I think like I've probably gone off there by just on point, yeah. but like. Like, I mean, like, I do think that, you know, I don't think we talk about just how sexist and how kind of, uh, you know, how kind of problematic, it, it, like, Irish left, institutionalized kind of Irish left kind of like,
0: groups are. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, and just in terms of the coverage again. You I- that's
2: like that, though. I mean, it's, it's just me, or if you walked into a room and you see some lad and he's giving a fucking loads? And you just know that he's just talking shit. He's oh, like, yeah, that's
0: it. Yeah. I should, one of the activists who organized one of the vigils in Galway said that the person who sexually assaulted or assaulted her turned up to the vigil, a, a, a lefty. And I think some listeners yeah. will know who we're talking about there. Um, and and that's a pro- <laughs> That's beyond the problem. Like this is a person who mm. was actually assaulted by this person turning up to a vigil for a person who who died by the the respectful thing to do, even if you did feel like you should go to the vigil is to not attend just because you're going to upset the person who's fucking organizing the vigil. Yeah. Do you know, it's definitely there. It's, it's definitely, and and going back to the capitalist patriarchal stuff, like Justine McCarthy touches on it, but no, even in the papers when you're reading this stuff, right? So, so Aisling's death must be our watershed moment is what Justine McCarthy says. Right. And, and, subheading is Murder of Teacher Reveals Sickness of a Society Geared to, to Objectify Women, right? Absolutely bang on. And most of the article is bang on. But what's very, like, because this is what it's about. It's, it's about how our culture looks upon women and then, as a result, men treat women and, and how they see them subsequently because of that system. But nobody, even though they're saying that men are objectifying women, they're not talking about the system that is creating that environment. And yes, you're hitting 99 out of 100 nails on the head here with this article or whatever, but let's talk about that that stuff that that Michelle has put so articulately there earlier on. That's what needs to to happen. And of course, you're not going to get that in the Business Post, but you're not going to get it in any of those newspapers because they give platforms to these fucking people constantly, constantly. Like David Quinn is in these papers weekly, Do you know what I mean? So if we're genuine and serious, if the newspapers and the outpouring of grief that they seem to have when something like this happens is is genuine, then stop giving those fuckers platforms. That's that's one little step that you could take. Um, I don't know, Michelle, if you want to come in and have the last word on this or whether we want to move on to another story.
1: No, I'm, I'm happy to leave it at that, but I, I think this isn't going to be the the end of the conversation that we'll have on this pod. Like, um, you know, obviously it's all, it's all still very new news for everyone and there's a lot of stuff going on and people are digesting and thinking and reflecting and, you know, getting ang- sad and angry and I, I've been through all the emotions as well. But I think, you know, we can revisit that again and, and chat about it again and be interesting to hear from listeners as well about, you know, their thoughts too and how we can chat about that, we'll delve into some of those more on the pod too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Connor, I might come to you to see if there's any other stories that you wanted to talk about first. I don't know whether it's in the, I think you were doing the Sindo or the Business Post, if there's one that you yeah, have handy there. Um,
2: like, I did both. And um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's, you know, there are a few kind of stories that are that kind of, um, you know, kind of uh, like floating around. They all, but they all seem to look at the pale into into kind of insignificance. Just a, a you know by kind of, kind of just giving kind of what is going on, um, but like the Business Post, which doesn't cover, um, Ashton Murphy or or or, or like all the individuals, um, seemingly because it believes that you know it's it's not a business issue, but yeah, you know has a you know has a full spread on 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 kind of kind of a Banner's movie Belfast, you know, so it can it can cover that. You know, um, there's mm-hmm. a few things. Like, I mean, um, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it just seems, it just seems twee just to move on to different uh, yeah. other stories after, like, after this one. Because I mean, like, like but that kind of stories. There, you know, there's, uh, there's a terrible article by. Back kind of Pat Rabbit, where he's trying to justify austerity back in kind of, 2011. They can cover that, but they can't cover kind of, Ashley Murphy or mm-hmm. the issue.
0: Well, that, that's a very good point. sorry, Connor. that's a very good point because the Business Post, uh, news reporters, they can make the argument that news reporters can't cover this or shouldn't cover this because it's not a business-related story, but they've got these columnists in there, all of which have an opportunity every week to raise whatever the fuck they want. And I still didn't see anything in there.
2: Like, you know, like like one of the things uh, that's in it is that uh, there's an interview here with a guy called kind of Paul Connell, who's the, who's, who's, who's the chief executive of, of, of PureCon kind of Telecom. And, he's, and the quote line is, if you're to stay in this game, and the guy sells broadband uh, access, right? So uh, if you stay in this game, you, uh, you have to be lean and mean and then he goes on about, you know, talking about how he's going to cause a little bit of, like, carnage. You know? Um, lads, like, these are not, these not going to realize. You know? sure. <laughs> when we talk about, you know, you know, kind of patriarchal kind of, you know, you know that, that, that language that is used, that way of, like, thinking, seeing things as a battle, you don't think this, this kind of ties into how things have been kind of played out here? Um, oh no, Mali um, has an article which is a very strange one that is um, not strange, it's, it's, it's just fascist um, he, he's calling for an end to kind of jury trials like just a normal a normal kind of Sunday for, for the son of like Des O'Malley he um, just says that jury is still out on our justice system and he says, if I were an innocent man with a and reputation, hoping for the truth to come out, I prefer to have my trial in front of professional kind of judges. Um, oh, me. He's just calling for, like, he just calls for an end of, you know, in, in, in like two kind of jury trials. And the, the guy teaches politics in, in, in like DCU. This is just fascist. It's, it's just a fascist kind of argument. That is, it, 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 you know, that is coming forward, and the call of fascism because it's that idea that technocrats will save us. Mm. So one of the key elements of like fascism that's used in Ireland that is part of our kind of makeup here is that kind of corporatist kind of view that it, 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 it comes in in the '30s and '40s when you have kind of experts who will save us. So we have experts in like economics, and we have experts in in the policy making. So we won't have votes on policy. We'll just have experts who then uh, do this for us. And he's and doing the same here in terms of trials and uh, in, in terms of whether someone should be sent to jail or not. It shouldn't be like your peers. It should be, again, but that is 1930s Italian fascism. That's what he is. He's, he, he's calling for here. And it's completely fucking normal. And they have space for that, but nothing on the vigils and the issues that are raised by those vigils i been going on you know like the going 72 hours nothing and yet mm. a call for an end to fucking jury trials what a sheriff fucker stuff. I, I, i'm
0: Sorry. interested to find out i um there's two things i'll say on that one i'm first of all interested to find out if that's the influence that we've had from a political perspective from the whole debate around the special criminal court if it, which was is seen, has been seen as a battering ram to just criticise Sinn Féin constantly, right? And for the anything in relation to the troubles, right? And the influence has been that, you know what? When every other civil rights organisation on the planet is saying you have to have jury trials, uh, and even the ones in Ireland are saying you have to have jury trials, but yet people are picking up Right, we definitely need more special criminal courts. We need to abol- abolish all of the, everything other than the special criminal court and just use that. Like it's mad, um, and then that feeds into the Pat Rabbit article. I feel because his headline is "It's not favoring austerity if you have no other choice." Effectively, he's saying that like it didn't matter who was getting elected in two thousand and eleven. We were going to implement. They had to implement austerity. So what's the point in electing any if 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 this is the economic and political system that we have, there is no choice. <laughs> there is no alternative there. We've got the Thatcher stuff. So I know it's a slight is that a
2: way of It's a way of like picking up like those tweets kind of during the week about some people trying to link. Uh, the murder of 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 of, like, of and Murphy to a uh, treatment of like John Burton, did you these hmm. come across that. Yeah, like John Burton attacked single parents mm-hmm. viciously. Used violence like going back to Michelle's kind of definition of like violence that you know that, that this was a violent kind of attack. Th- this was a policy that, that unleashed a policy form of, of violence on kind of single parents who are overwhelmingly uh female. Mm. Um, and they and the people saying that, yeah, Ashton and Morphy being murdered, it's just like John Borton being treated by mm. by kind of Paul Morphe. Like I mean, like, like like I I can't get my head around just how, how 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 disgusting that that way of like thinking, kind of you know, like it, it like really is. But in the in the week that we've just had, you have Pat Rabbit in the Sunday Business Post implicitly um, endorsing policy violence against him
0: mm.
2: that they can undertook. And mm. did with relish, did with glee. Mm. Um, yeah, I, yeah, this is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean <laughs> it,
0: it, it really is. I mean, just in terms of the figures around that, one, because I remember we we put in an emergency motion at the ICTU, uh, the ICTU BDC. So 98 um, percent of lone parents are, are, are women. And 63% of them were already experiencing multiple deprivation. And then they brought in those cuts. And um, that yeah. was 2015, 16. So, um, yeah. When but Labour
2: talk- Party, that's the victim here. Just, just don't forget that.
0: But it's the weaponizing of this. And I, I, to be honest, on all sides, I I, I was reluctant to bring that up. Obviously, I spot it as well. But it's weaponizing of Ashley Murphy's death to suit your own political ends. And I, I can't. I can't stand that stuff. Um, I just mm. I thought it it's insensitive at best and disgusting at worst. It, it, in the week that we're having, so, and then yeah, you read that by Pat Rabbit justifying everything that they did and saying that that, that they'd no choice when. That year, by the way, just to emphasize this as well for the listeners, that year they gave a $405 million tax cut to the top 17% of earners. So $417 million tax cut for one group of people. And for lone parents, 98% of whom are female, 63% already experienced multiple deprivation cuts. That's the type of government that they are defending still to this day, six years later. Madness.
2: Madness.
0: Um, Madness. M- Michelle, you got any stories you wanted to jump in with?
1: Yeah, I can't neatly tie them all together like you have having that that and that discussion now. Um, but there, there is one uh, around uh, workers will get the right to ask for more flexible terms at work. So, um it's talking about this work-life balance bill. And um, talking about like how you know we're going to introduce five days of unpaid leave for care duties. And um, but it's I find it really interesting because this is um, off the back of, uh, of an EU directive. But the the minister for equality and. Children Minister Roderick Gorman is like trying to make it out like he's doing this out of the good of his health. Like you know, I want family-friendly workplaces, and that's why I'm bringing this. I believe in it so much. La 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 You're being forced by the EU because <laughs> our directive in order to implement this. And like, it, yeah, I, I was just kind of reading it and like, yeah, yeah, that's that's nice and all. So like, it's talking about like you know, you'll have the legal right to request flexible working, remote working, compressed hours, and um, the actual directive itself outlines that, it's for, that you know that at the very least it has to be for carers and parents of children up to eight um but yeah i just thought, thought it was interesting because then it goes on to quote like you have rad and how he's doing loads of stuff for workers at the moment you know he's so pro worker um you know bringing in the right to sick pay and the right to request remote working new redundancy rights for those laid off temporarily in the pandemic and uh legislation around tips and gratuities but he also mentions then the new public holiday you know bringing us up to 10 um in line with the European average. And there's another story I'll bring back up to, to tie into that. But actually, around the EU directive stuff, um, you know, that's something that we have to do. And like just this week, um, we had I mean, a TD, I can't remember which who it was now, uh, where the hauliers working hours have been extended. Um, so this is an EU, there was an EU directive saying the hauliers can't work, uh, you know, work uh, max amount of hours you know, for safety and all of that. But now our government have just said no, scrap that. Actually, we want you working longer hours. Um, with like, which is obviously unfair for the workers, but it's also extremely unsafe for everyone that they removed their them from a ninety-hour fortnight to a hundred and twelve-hour fortnight. Um, and bizarrely, the road safety authority are backing this. They're the ones coming out on this, promoting it. Um, but I just I find it so bizarre, like like on so many levels. Like obviously, like. We're favouring like capitalist supply chains over workers and safety, like, and we're actually just dismissing this EU directive that you know a lot of uh, a lot of our workers' laws come from. Unfortunately, like it's embarrassing that we have to rely on an institution like the the EU to kind of you know in order for us to have better work, worker rights, and which is what we're seeing here with the more flexible work terms and stuff like that. But we have a, a TD on the other side saying now we're now we're actually scrapping we're some of that now. Uh, and, like, you know, it's under the guise of COVID and all of that, but, like, well, there's storage of and all years and all of that at the moment as well. So, like, is that really, under the, like, is that COVID-related? You know, is it, or is it a wider problem of, like, you know, long hours now being made longer and being underpaid and, like, you know, tough work, like, you know, traveling for hours um, over weeks. But the, the reason why I was, I brought up the um, the bank holiday question as well was because there's another story actually um about psychiatric nurses um and they're being denied um ptsd paid leave so in the kind of the same conversation so psychiatric nurses who um have like have experienced physical assault in their line of work and do get fully paid um leave for the the physical assault injuries but they don't have any leave for any post-traumatic stress that they get as a result of those incidents. So, like you're talking about, like five thousand physical assaults. Um, they're saying between the three over three years, two thousand eighteen to twenty twenty, which is obviously a huge amount. Um, and they some of that is mild and some of that is you know pretty serious. We're talking about like attempted stabbing and strangulation and stuff. But and the the psychiatric nurses association of Ireland, PNA, like they're they're obviously saying you know like it's not everyone. Who, um, you know, not everyone has a mental health issue is aggressive, but you know there are lots of severe, severe cases. But here we're talking about, you know, we're oh we're bringing in this you know bank holiday to value our you know our healthcare workers when we won't even give them paid leave for when they suffer PTSD off the back of a workplace incident, mm-hmm. like and a, a bank holiday for health workers that they won't even get to use for the most part. Like it's just bizarre. This kind of like pure move, like it's it's it's. Like it's so insincere. Like, oh, let's bring in this bank holiday for the for the health workers when literally won't even give them paid leave when for for having PTSD. It's absolutely mad. And like, not only that, because of obviously COVID, and you know, a lot of people are out sick. Work. It was like six hundred nurses and mental health services that were absent because of like COVID um, related um stuff. It's actually making their workplaces even unsafer now. Um, but yet they still can't take leave when they're they're, at, they're they have other um sicknesses such as PTSD, ptsd from their work but then it kind of goes on to like you know some of the policy um policy reasons for this as well like um you know some really stark comparisons around how like we only spend like six percent and now it's gone down to five percent in the pandemic on over our health budget on mental health And you know we're talking about like how everyone's you know found a lot of pressure on their mental health during covid mm-hmm. um you know a lot of isolation a lot of you know a lot of stress and all of that as well but we're actually spending less now on mental health than we were before like five percent of our health budget um but anyway the, the main call that they're asking for is like um you know in 2016 16 years ago the, the the pna were promised that there would be these specialized um specialized units intensive care re- rehabilitation units for some of the people in these um mental care uh, who are in psychiatric care who need a, a little bit more you know, um, supports, and it would also help the workers as well in in this. But yeah, look, it's just I just find it ironic when we're talking about leave. Uh, um, uh, you know, on one side of things, the more flexible arrangements, and we can't even give leave to people who are suffering from PTSD, the nurses mm. from physical injuries that they acquired at work, like shock and stuff.
0: Well, I I don't know if you noticed it, but you did link all of those stories together. By the way, the different elements of it, um, it brings me to a couple of stories as well, which are, are, are linked. Which is one of them is Facebook moderators across Europe bring first legal actions to Irish High Court, and this is again um, people suffering from PTSD as a result of having to moderate some of the obscene videos that get uploaded live and otherwise to Facebook, um, and because Facebook is now headquartered in Ireland. Uh, these workers are all from overseas in Barcelona and different countries. Um, and it's an Irish legal firm that has confirmed that they have 20 outstanding cases to go to the Irish High Court from, from overseas clients. Uh, that, that's one element of it. But just taking a step back to what you were talking about there the, the, the different pieces of legislation that the Irish ministers, plural, are trying to take credit for. Um, Finnegale, in particular, are the new Fianna Fáil. And people forget this, that in the, and Connor will know this very well, but. Like Since the foundation of the state, more trade unionists have voted for Fianna Fáil than have ever voted for the Labour Party or for any other left-wing party, right? And that's because Fianna Fáil tests the weather, cock, and see what way it's blowing and and, and change. The, and and what's happened in the last three or four years, with, well, no, sorry, less, two years, with Sinn Féin's emergence as a major player in the political field means that Varadkar has to portray himself slightly as a friend to the workers. And you're seeing a bit of that coming through, but it's always just the bare minimum. And we give you a public holiday or two, maybe, depending on uh, how many of you are going to vote for, for Sinn Féin. We'll we, we'll, just, we'll give you an extra public holiday if, if Sinn Féin get up to 50% in the polls. So uh, if anybody does ring you, tell them you're going to vote Sinn Féin just so you can get the third public holiday. Um, but the uh, in terms of the, the, the other bits, I did want to have a quick conversation about that. I know, Conor, you were mentioning it as well about sick pay, redundancy, tips, gratuities, public holidays, and there was another one or two pieces of legislation coming down the track. Um, what have I missed there?
2: Uh, remote working oh, yeah. um, and new redundancy rights for those laid off uh, during the pandemic.
0: Yeah. Now, people remember this. When the pandemic hit first, they did change the redundancy rights. You could not claim redundancy uh, if you were laid off. They changed the rules um, for labor and capital, they made sure that capital could lay you off. Uh, indefinitely and in the past I think it was after eight weeks you could claim redundancy they got rid of that so just remember when you think of Riker's a friend to the workers he's no friend to the workers he, he made sure capital could get the best out of that situation and workers couldn't um I don't know if there's any other stories you wanted to talk about there Connor.
2: well I mean just on that one it, it was mainly just just to, just to make the point um, something something that that I would have come of, that I would have like, come across or just over the last kind of 10, 15 years of of dealing with kind of trade unions is that, and it's it's not one trade union. This is across like the, 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 the Irish kind of trade union movement. There's a perception for for some reason that like um, that if you improve kind of workers' rights, you will put trade unions out of a job, and that's. I've heard that from more than one source uh, and from multiple sources. And it's not one trade union. It's not just like public sector unions or or, or, or private sector ones. But but it's an idea that, you know, oh, if if you start looking for rights, then what will trade unions do? That's a sort of a job, which, you know, that's what's said. But like the point here is that these laws are being written anyway. And if they're not written from a worker's uh, perspective, they'd be written from an employer's perspective. They'd be written anyway. Yep. So if we're not in there shaping laws as they're being formed, IBEC will, you know, and Leo will, and, 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 and Fina Gale will. So we'll end up with very right wing employment laws and very right wing employment rights, such as they are, um, instead of actually. Um, instead of actually kind of shaping these laws from a worker's perspective. So if, if we're not involved kind of shaping laws, someone else will. And that someone else will be, the, a, a, you know, a, 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 like the the kind of right wing. Um, I've, I, I really wanted to just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find a light story just to end up on <laughs> because it's been a very heavy kind of show and rightly so. Um, but the one I got and it's probably just a bit like unfair, but it's Aidan Regan in in the Business Post because he's so happy. If you see just his image, he's, he's you know, sitting there and he's beaming. He's just so happy. To, but he's just so happy by there to, to be writing for the um, Sunny Business Post. Uh, bless him, but like, um, but he's talking about one size fits all doesn't work for EU's many kind of varieties of kind of capitalism. And to boil it down, what he's basically doing is that he's coming from again, it's a it's an argument that that we would have come across, uh, Dave, like in the trade union movement that when it comes to kind of workers' rights, Europe will save us, right? So by collective bargaining will go to the EU and we'll get it kind of sorted out there and we'll get kind of more rights from the EU and hasn't the EU been you know been wonderful for us and, like in terms of all these all these kind of directives and blah 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 like you know and he's, and he's basically make, like he's talking about kind of investment that's needed like all across Europe but coming from a very kind of centrist kind of point of view which he does come from um, it's not right wing but it's but it's kind of quite centrist. Um, he misses why the EU kind of exists, and the EU is a neo-colonial setup. That's what it is kind of set up as. Mm. It, it, it's set up for internal colonialism. Mm. Um, it's set, it, like it's not a kind of mistake that the so-called that so-called kind of, like, peripheries uh, feed those kind of major main kind of uh, states. That's how it is kind of set up. And um, his fate in the EU kind of saving us. It's um, um, it's kind of you know, it's 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 kind of like our oh, bless him, you know. Cute. Uh, you know, it's cute, like you know, you know, in a you know, in a kind of um, the the like in a kind of gentle way. Uh, but listen, it keeps him out of trouble. You know, as as a mother, you know, as, as my mother kind of, but used to say, you know, it keeps him happy. You know. So you know, leave him alone. It keeps him happy. So he's in there, kind of writing about how how wonderful the EU is in the Sunday Business Post. Well, Connor, it keeps him happy.
0: Right? Yeah, you know. Yes. Yeah. So. Well, I, I, before we do wrap up, I wanted to talk about one story because it does end up being a positive. I might start off with a bit of a negative here, but no, no, it's not negative. It's negative as in how it's presented in the media. Michelle, you might want to jump in on some of this one stuff because I think you've come across it too. Um, from page of the Business Post, public sector workers to demand inflation busting pay increases these are inflation busting i'm pretty sure i've never seen a trade union logic claim for an inflation busting pay increase um the, in, inflation proofing pay increases what they were the, the trade unions have been referring to it but i love how it's presented in the media because a couple of things connected to this story later on um it is that whole attack on the public sector workers again um and you know oh what what is the story about the public sector worker again it says in here uh oh yeah public sector reform has been dealt fresh blow by proposal to cut hours so it's a, it's it's presented as, and it's the first time I have said this before we came on air, first time I've ever seen it, but maybe it's been there before and I just haven't been paying attention. But this is now in a section of industrial relations. First time I've noticed a, a, an industrial relations section in the business post, but I could be corrected on that as well. I, I, it's just something I hadn't noticed. But anyway, getting back to the front page, public sector workers demand inflation busting pay increases. As people will know, um, inflation has reached 5.3%. There's a small brief bit in the end of in, in the business post supplement, talking about how the OECD countries, it's 26 year record high for inflation across all OECD, the OECD, entire OECD, but 5.3% inflation. um, And the reason I wanted to talk about the story very briefly is because of a magnificent win we had just before Christmas there with the Dunn stores workers, where they won a 10% pay increase. Um, And this to me as a trade unionist, this is what trade unionism is all about, is uh, improving people's lives. Now, if you're winning a 2% pay increase while inflation's at 5.3%, you're in an effective pay loss. <laughs> you're worse off this year than you were last year. Um, but nobody really pays much attention to some of that stuff. Uh, but 10% for the Dunstor's workers who over the last, since 2013, since I've been tracking it, have won a 30 Five percent cumulative pay increase at a time when inflation has been about seven percent. Um, so that's a, a huge win I and mean, big advertisement for the for the trade union movement as to why people should join. But again, linking stories, there's an article here in the Business Post, glass half full, taking measures. Um, the, this is about the minimum unit pricing initiative uh, and looking at it. And if ever there was an argument for flat rate pay increases, which I keep banging on about. I know I've been on the show and, and, and mentioned them in the past. This is it. This is a great explainer for people because the price of a can of Guinness or a bottle of whiskey or a bottle of wine didn't go up based on a percentage of your income. It went up by a flat rate. So therefore, why are we reliant on percentage wage increases uh, to compensate for that? Because obviously, I and mean, we, I'd say we'd all on this show recognize this, but that policy change well, you could argue that it's well-meaning, is going to impact the lowest earnings as members of our society far more than anybody else. Basically saying that if you're poor, you don't deserve to drink as much as the wealthy um so I, I again i'd love to see a conversation about these the style of pay increases that we're getting and even with this stuff inflation busting or inflation proofing pay increases within the public sector the private sector wherever else it is let's have a conversation about what type of pay increases are necessary at this moment in time i don't know michelle if you wanted in with any other stories or whether you wanted to comment on that one
1: um yeah, I was just, yeah, there's a couple of more stories in the in the Sindo uh, um, that I was looking at. There's a big, big double page spread around um, vacant properties, actually. Uh, 4,000 properties owned by the councils are empty in a housing crisis. Um, and it goes and actually maps out in detail, like how many are vacant um, and how many are leased in, in each of the, the counties. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's talking about like um, how there's a huge percentage of the state-owned housing in, in councils that are, are vacant in a housing crisis, but also touches on like how, you know, councils are often in, in it, the quote is, councils often compete with tenants to lease properties from landlords. But like, and then it goes on how to talk about how um there's there's going to be extra resources given to recruit vacant housing officers and to CPO up to 2,000 vacant properties for the next four years. So talking about um, acquiring these um, vacant properties, which is, so that we can do them up, which is great because That has not been the experience that we've seen. And there's no mention in in, in the story about the the council's repair and lease scheme, which is where I I, I might have mentioned on the pod before, but essentially what it does is um, it gives landlords money to do up the vacant property that they own, but they will still own it after it's done up by the council. And they will also get a lovely guaranteed rental contract for like 25 years so the county can use that for social housing now there's there's lots of you know good things in that but you know you're really what you're really doing here is pushing the problem down the road you know this the, the state still don't own those properties you know we're going to this is going to be continued cycle of landlords running down properties the state having to put money into the landlord's asset that they will still continue to own and then the council will still rent off them giving them more money back into their their private asset it's just it, it to me. It just is absolute nonsense. And it talks about in the story as well around the vacant housing officers and like how um, some of the, the the counties weren't actually reporting. Um, you know their their vacancies, how many they had, or you know how how often they're coming back on. But like I just think like I know an example here in Waterford where someone turned around to me last weekend and said, "Oh yeah, I, I think the the business is going to be out of this building now." the landlord wants to leave the property vacant for the year so that he can avail of the council support over parent lease. And Waterford is apparently the champion of this scheme. We're turning over loads of properties um, from vacant uh, into to, to homes, which is, you know, great and all, but you can see here, it's been absolutely abused in this case. Um, and I'm sure there's many more, but like we also, you know, in the back, the, the other side of it is we don't have in Waterford the list of what the vacant properties are we have a vacant homes staff person already but they're still not reporting what places are vacant and then we have that vote vacant homes website where you can register vacant and derelict homes on the 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 website was part of the uh one of the government's housing schemes in the last government but there's no there's no list there either there's no transparency around what you know what houses have been listed vacant or derelict and how long they've been but now we're already seeing this creeping in of them abusing this repair and lease scheme to to doubly use the council supports the state supports to to benefit off the back of this and you know we'll just wrap it up in a good PR news story saying that we have more homes but at the end of the day we don't have more homes the landlords have more homes do you know what i mean mm-hmm. um yep. which, uh, anyway that, that was, and there's also i know we're, we're we're trying to finish up here now but there's also a story that's kind of concerning it's called uh, it was anti vaxers Assemble for message of war against democratic society and it's talking about this group um, call, what are they called, the Alpha Men Assembly, who are gathering together uh, for this boot camp with uh, military style drills ro- practicing rolling scrums that would, uh, as a moving unit, that would go through police lines Um, listening to this ex-soldier, um, dressed in army gear, shouting out instructions and basically playing out this paramilitary cosplay with all the boys in the park, out in a Yeah, in the UK, but it's really, uh, yeah, it's mostly white men organized through telegram channels. um, And it's kind of, it's actually organized around the belief that the pandemic is orchestrated to exercise uh, in curtailing their freedoms around vaccinations. And, you know, that it's just the the conspiracies around that and like being very anti-establishment from a right wing perspective, what I can say. But also the report says, you know, it's from everyone from all politics, I'm like, no, the politics of this article right now is definitely far right. Um, but yeah, so just to kind of finish up on that, it's, it's quite worrying because it talks about, you know, you know calling out violence against uh, politicians and stuff and, you know, corrupt police and judges. And I just wonder, are we going to start seeing more of this, um, you know, this military style far right uh, boot camps to, to challenge us? And we talked about violence with um, the far right before, but it's just worrying to see and um, maybe hopefully we won't hear
0: more about that again. But yeah, I just wanted to flag it. All right, all very worrying and interesting. And um, listen, that's all we have time for. Uh, this has been the week of work. I want to thank Connor and Michelle for joining me again today. Um, you can find out more about us on uh, Patreon.com forward slash Left Block, and we'll talk to you all again next week. Thank you.